You are Locked On Vols, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Vols, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. Today's show will be a mix of Tennessee football in the first segment, talking about one of Tennessee's best players, for sure one of Tennessee's most talented players, and a guy who is picking up a good amount of preseason recognition. I'll get to that here in segment number one and look at some of Tennessee's most talented football players on the team. Who at the end of 2020 will we be talking about as Tennessee's best players? That's in segment number one of today's show presented by rockauto.com. Then in segment number two, I'm going to move the conversation to recruiting and bring back something that I've talked about in the past. Recruiting in the state of Tennessee is important, but I also think it can be an overrated topic at times. I'll explain why, and you'll hear somebody else's opinion kind of backing up what I've had to say coming up in segment number two. And then in segment number three, a mailbag question and the latest from Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, on plans and is there a deadline to make a decision? At least, is there one that's approaching anytime soon? for a decision on college football this fall. That's all right here on Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I saw a tweet from Tennessee's football account on uh, on Twitter on Wednesday afternoon. Tennessee football tweeted out, question, who is the only sophomore in the country to be named to the Bednarik, Butkus, and Nagurski Award watch lists? The answer, Henry Tooto, Tennessee's sophomore linebacker. The Bednarik and Nagurski Awards are handed out to the top defensive player in the country at the end of the season. The Butkus Award goes to the top linebacker. Henry Tooto is the only sophomore that is on the watch list of all three awards. And I think watch lists are a little silly. They are essentially saying, hey, watch these players to see if they can compete for these awards, and they're long and they have a bunch of names. But if they have a bunch of names, it's kind of notable that Henry's the only guy that's on that list, isn't it? And that speaks to his first year. He had a really good freshman year at Tennessee. And Henry Tooto is a reason there's a lot of confidence in Tennessee's defense being able to at least maintain where it was a year ago or have a chance to take a step forward. Imagine if Henry had ended up at Alabama, which was one of the finalists for Tooto, or if he had gone to Washington, he's just not at Tennessee. Certainly if he's at Alabama, you don't like that because you missed out on him and he's playing for the Tide. But you can keep the conversation just to Tennessee. The Vols are not 7-5 and five in the regular season last year without Tooto. They just didn't have the depth at inside linebacker. And heading into this year, with Daniel Batuli gone, I don't know what the Vols would do if Tooto weren't a part of the program. You really would be looking... I, th- I think Tennessee probably would have gone out and tried to find some kind of transfer to come in, somebody who could provide some immediate help, as there are already some depth questions. There are at least questions about who's going to start next to Tooto. I would probably... Uh, bet on Quavaris Crouch, but he's a, an unknown, at least, at the position right now. Life without Henry Tooto, I don't think would be very good for Tennessee at linebacker or on the defensive side, and I'm guessing that Jeremy Pruitt feels a lot better having him on Tennessee's side as well. Earlier in the spring, Heather and I talked to former Tennessee linebacker LaMarcus Thompson on Sports 180. He was a starter inside linebacker for the Vols and played under three different head coaches at Tennessee, played in different defensive schemes, and he talked about how good Henry Tooto is as a player, and then I asked him about Tennessee's defense as a whole with Jeremy Pruitt, what it does, what it is that he does to prepare a defense that stands out. Listen to what LaMarcus said about 
how good Henry Tooto could be as a linebacker in the SEC. He's going to be something special, man. I, I, I just see how far he's come with the game in just one season, from his first game to his last game. You can see the reads that he's making. He's not making those false steps or things of that nature. It's just amazing how much he has grown just over the course of one season. So I'm excited to see what he does. He's going to be probably one of the best players, I want to say, in the SEC, if not all of college football in the defensive position. Yeah, what stands out about uh, what you see from the defensive side of the ball with Jeremy Pruitt? He, of course, has so much success coaching that side, and they, they took uh, big steps in year two. Why do you think that was the case, and what stands out about what Jeremy Pruitt does defensively? Well, he, he has a very good scheme. You know, he, he, he knows how to read offenses and basically put the guys in the best positions there. All the guys had to do was buy into what he was teaching. And you can see that start to happen to where, you know, they're learning the program, they're learning everything. Because when you get into a new defense, because they've been switching defenses so, you know, so often, they're starting to learn to where you got, you got some younger guys out there and they're getting what's going on. They're understanding the concepts. That's your big thing now in, in, uh, in on the defense side. you got to understand concepts, alignment, and assignment. That's another big thing. You know, if you're out of line, you know, that, that – two-yard play, you end up as a touchdown there. So they're starting to learn their alignments and assignments, which just is a test to the coaching staff getting those young guys ready to uh, play some football. Former Tennessee linebacker LaMarcus Thompson on Sports 180 earlier this spring and Toe Toe's mental ability to step out there on the field and understand what the coaches were asking of him. He has a new linebackers coach this year, I'll point out, and Brian Niedermeyer. But it's Jeremy Pruitt's defense, no doubt. And, of course, Derek Ansley is the defensive coordinator working with Henry. He's kind of the quarterback of the defensive side. He understood so much as a freshman. Now with that experience and a full offseason, a different offseason, I know, but a full offseason to get ready, imagine how much better he could be. I don't know where he ranks exactly on Tennessee's football team, but I think he has to be among the top three players heading into the year. Trey Smith is Tennessee's top guy going in. Cade Mays has the talent. He has the experience at Georgia. He's a really good player. He's probably number two for a lot of people, number two or number three. I was trying to think, okay, who are the top five guys? My, my top three, it's not necessarily in order, but I would say Trey Smith, Henry Toto, Cade Mays. And then the next two guys that come to mind most quickly, and this is projecting ahead to this upcoming season, Eric Gray at running back. He's not played that much, I know, but in terms of talent and potential, he's a guy that can make a leap this upcoming year. I would point to him and then Bryce Thompson. Coming back for his junior season, he's a guy that can make plays in the secondary. He needs to be a better player to be a top-five guy on Tennessee's football team. But if you're looking for playmakers in the secondary, Nigel Warrior's gone. Now that Bryce Thompson is coming back, and it was due to his own decision-making, but uh, he was suspended at the start of the year. It was a slower start for him. As the year went along, I think he got a lot better. He's one of the top athletes on Tennessee's football team. So I think that would be my top-five heading into the year. It's certainly up for debate. But I would say Trey Smith, Henry Tooto, Cade Mays, Eric Gray, Bryce Thompson. Other candidates in the conversation for being a top five guy on Tennessee's football team. I think you can point to Josh Palmer at wide receiver. Also being in a bigger role is a guy that could be there. Along the defensive line, I don't know that there's an obvious player that stands out that would be top five, but you know, let's see what Aubrey Solomon can do with another offseason to get ready for this upcoming year. Let's see if somebody else emerges from Tennessee's defensive front. And then from a talent standpoint, I think you can look at Elante Taylor, Quavaris Crouch, Wanya Morris, Jalen McCullough, but I think that would take even more projecting. So those are those are probably guys that are more top 10 on Tennessee's football team. 
Tennessee does have a deeper list of talented players to talk about in that conversation. They need more, and these are guys that have to develop. Again, it's projecting for this upcoming season, but there's no dispute. Henry Tooto, he is very close to the top of the list, and that's from a national standpoint, almost. As Tennessee pointed out, that Henry Tooto is the only sophomore in the country to be named to the Butkus Award watch list, handed out to the top linebacker, and the Bednarik and Nagurski Awards as well with their national Player of the Year award coming at the end of the season. I'll come back. All of this leads to recruiting. Henry Tooto, Wanya Morris, Jayla McCullough, Eric Gray, Trey Smith, they were big-time recruits. Tennessee needs more of them. Does Tennessee have to land them inside the state of Tennessee, though? You'd love to, but I don't think it's that important. I'll explain coming up next. Josh Pate of 247 Sports will kind of back me up as well. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. Here's something that I'm sure is important to you. That's saving money. And if you're thinking about the headache, the hassle that can come with going to a local auto parts shop looking for a part that you might need for your vehicle, it can create an even bigger headache. That's why rockauto.com is a great option for you. When you have an increasing number of makes and models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts that are needed in a traditional chain storefront. But if you go to rockauto.com, you will see how easy it is to search for whatever you're looking for for your vehicle. Look for the make, the model, the year, and see all the options that they have. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. And I'm sure you prefer lower prices. You can find them at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Last segment, I was talking Tennessee football talent. Well, talent comes back to recruiting. And recruiting rankings are not everything, but they do provide some kind of route for which teams are going to be playing for championships at the end of the season. And if you go to the 247 Sports composite rankings, you'll see the average player rating with Ohio State is very high. Alabama's been moving up. Alabama's kind of skyrocketed recently. Georgia is doing really well. Tennessee's class is top five right now and I think is in really good shape. They're looking for more really talented players. Peyton Page has an announcement coming up in just a few days, so he's somebody to pay attention to. Smell Munden and Amarius Mims are two very highly touted players that could end up at schools like Georgia and Alabama. They're in the picture there. So Tennessee is trying to go after more of those guys. And over the last few years from the, you know, really the end of the Butch Jones area. And I think the last couple of years with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach, there's been a lot of debate about the in-state players. Cade Mays came back to Tennessee, losing Cade Mays hurt Tennessee, losing T Higgins hurt. But I do think it's been overstated how important it is for Tennessee to land 
some of the top players inside the state of Tennessee. And I say that because you can still go outside the state and land players. Maybe Tennessee misses on a few guys in the 2021 class in-state, but if you look at the out-of-state class, Terrence Lewis is from down in Florida. Dylan Brooks is from Alabama. You have two very highly touted players in Katron Evans and Aaron Willis from up at St. Francis in Baltimore. I can keep going down the list. Caden Salter is in Texas. And I think if you look at some of the other major programs, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, they don't land as many highly touted in-state players as you might think. And that's something that Josh Pate of 247 Sports noted recently as well. So I asked Josh Pate on Sports 180 on Wednesday about that subject. What led him to look into recruiting and see where in-state prospects were headed and why it's not that big of a deal for Tennessee to be able to have a huge recruiting base inside the state? Listen to what Josh Pate of 247 Sports said. Yeah, it was really born out of me doing some videos a couple of months ago when Tennessee recruiting heated up for the 2021 cycle. And a lot of folks came in and they were detractors, and, and that's fine, but the detractors' main point was Tennessee's never really going to be an elite recruiting power in the modern day. And so naturally I want to know why is that? And it seems like a lot of people gravitated back towards this whole myth that Tennessee cannot be a perennial top five recruiter because they don't have enough in-state talent. And I don't think that state boundaries have ever mattered less in recruiting than they do today. We have done tons of actual research. Like we have mountains of data on this to back it up. And my point around Tennessee was if kids aren't coming to Tennessee, it's going to be because they haven't been able to build a viable enough product to sell. If Tennessee builds a viable enough product to sell, you're kidding yourself. If you believe a kid from Little Rock, Arkansas is going to want to come, but at the very last minute says, I just can't cross that state boundary. And what I did to back it up further was I took the top programs. I took Ohio State's class right now that's number one in the country, and only a small percentage of their commits are from Ohio. I took Georgia's number one class last year where only I think it was eight of their 25 kids were from the state of Georgia. Alabama right now has got the number two class in the country. They got more kids from the state of Florida committed than they do from the state of Alabama, about two times more, actually. And Clemson last year had the number three class in the country and only had one kid from in-state. Top program, it's a myth that every top program is just a top program because they recruit in-state. All these programs recruit nationally. Tennessee would be no different. The only thing stopping Tennessee momentarily is them not being able to come into my living room if I'm a five-star caliber kid and selling me that they're capable of doing everything Alabama or Ohio State are capable of. But if they get to the point where they can sell that vision, there's nothing stopping them from recruiting the Carolinas, Atlanta, North Alabama, down into Florida. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. Tennessee just needs more results. That's Josh Pate of 247 Sports has the Lake Kick show and podcast you can check out. And uh, it doesn't mean it's that easy because trying to beat out Georgia and Alabama and Florida on the field is going to take more players probably, right? At least to, to beat them on a more regular basis. That's why it's going to take time and you're looking for progress. And I think we're seeing that with Tennessee's recruiting overall. But I would just, I would totally agree. This is also not to discount an in-state player. This is not to say ignore guys. If you think they are worth your time, go after them. And if you miss them, well, it's, it's going to be disappointing. Tennessee a couple of years ago missed on a few guys inside the state, Zion Logue and Joseph Anderson and Bill Norton, some in-state players that Tennessee really wanted. And that was disappointing. But 
Georgia is going to miss out on in-state guys. Florida is going to miss out on in-state players. Some guys in Louisiana are going to decide to go somewhere else. That's going to happen as well. That's just a part of the recruiting world. Just like Tennessee is trying to recruit guys outside the state of Tennessee to come to Tennessee, there are other schools that are going to try to recruit players inside the state of Tennessee to go to their school. Overall, if you have a product and you have, there are a number of things. You're looking to be a championship contender. Guys want to know that you can help them get to the NFL, can develop, and that they're going to be playing on the biggest stage. They, they want to have a chance to win a national title when they, when they get there, but they want that individual uh, development, and they're going to see all the competition that's there. I think sometimes you wonder, okay, will a guy look at, at Tennessee and say, okay, I can get on the field more quickly. Some are going to look at that, but a lot of them are going to think, I'm good enough. I'll get on the field. I'll play. And if, if I have to wait my turn, I'm waiting behind one guy that's going to the NFL, and I'll be next. So it, recruiting inside the state of Tennessee is going to be important. And in the 20 class, the group that just signed the incoming freshman class, there are a number of in-state players, Amari Thomas, Keyshawn Lawrence. They have a, a number of players that Tennessee really valued, coveted, went after. And Keyshawn Lawrence came on the show and said, yeah, I, I think that we developed a a closeness through the recruiting process. That's not to be looked over, but that's not everything when it comes to recruiting. And some of those schools that Josh just laid out, look at their recruiting success. They have some in-state players. They, in some cases, decided to go outside the state to find players they thought were better. And in some cases, they had some in-state players that decided, well, I want to go away from home. I want to go play at a different school. You want to go after the best players overall, period. And the more of those guys that you can land the better chance you're going to have against Georgia, Alabama, Florida in the SEC. Coming up next, are we getting close to a deadline for the SEC and for college football to make a decision on will they play? What will the schedule look like? Greg Sankey answered that question. Also, an interesting question. One record for Tennessee versus no season for Tennessee. I'll look at the two options coming up in the final segment of Locked on Vols. Thanks to everybody who has continued to join me here on the show. Welcome new listeners. And I want to remind you, if you subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, it'll be there in your feed as soon as I post it each and every time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts as well. It's a big help. It's Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so the biggest question in college football I have avoided on today's show until this point, and that's will they play college football? And if so, what will it look like? There's still no definite answer, and we are waiting to find out, will it start on time? Will the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 play non-conference games, or will they go conference only like the Big 10 and Pac-12 are planning to do? There was news on Tuesday when Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick told Heather Dinich of ESPN that his recommendation is to delay the start of the season and play an 8-10 to game schedule instead of a 12-game schedule this fall. That's only one person's opinion, but it is the opinion of the athletic director at Notre Dame, and I'm guessing he's probably not the only one with that opinion. But what about SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey? He has not given any hints on what they're planning to do or when exactly they will make a decision. That's a question that Reese Davis asked Greg Sankey on ESPN's College Football Live a couple of nights ago. The question was, do you have a deadline on a decision? When do you need to decide what you're going to do this fall? Here's what Greg Sankey said. I haven't put a deadline. I've actually put dates out there. And and Reese, I wrote up a timeline way back in May. And I realize how much has changed since then. So we look at next week as an important milestone. And the way I'll explain it is I have finished 41 marathons in my life. And I realize you're going to go mile by mile. And we are on that journey. 
Uh, the challenge right now is to understand where the finish line may be. And, and, you know, last week we increased athletic activity. There's an opportunity to do the same uh, later this week. And so we, we've had a check-in point today about our preparations to do so. Uh, next week is a week prior to practice. We will have seen a lot of professional sports activity uh, through the month of July. Uh, NFL training camps are scheduled to begin officially next week. Uh, but we've got rookies reporting, so we've got learning opportunities there. And we've tried to use every one of these experiences as a learning opportunity to help inform our decision-making. And, and the milestone check next week is are we ready to move into that stage of practice? Um, and part of that will be a conversation about what does the season look like? And that's a conversation that's been taking place for weeks. So the short part of the long answer is that it's an ongoing process, but I mean, let's be realistic. This is July 23rd. Something needs to get done sooner rather than later. I still would say, though, that if there's going to be a delay to the start of the season, I think you delay a final decision on what it's going to look like, most likely. Meaning that here in uh, in the next seven, eight days at the end of July, if they haven't decided to play on September 5th, maybe you announce that you'll have a delayed start. But you could also say, we're going to delay an announcement. We're going to wait for more information to come in and we'll make a final determination when we have to. I don't think they have to by the end of July. We would just like them to. And maybe they will. If so, great. But this might still take some time to find out exactly what's going to happen in the SEC, partly because so many people within the conference and outside of the conference continue to have so many different opinions. I received this question from Lonnie. Lonnie, I appreciate you sending me a message on Twitter asking, would you rather see the Vols have a 500 season, meaning go 6-6, six and six, or see the season canceled because of the pandemic? Now, I would say a 500 season all day, and the reason is because that means you had a season. I can't stress strongly enough how bad it would be if the season were canceled. And I guess they could play in the spring, but they're not going to play a full season if that's the case, and you're not going to get a, a full view of where things are. A 500 season for Tennessee would be disappointing, no doubt. If Tennessee goes six and six, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be good. That would be bad, and that would uh, upset a lot of fans, understandably. But it would also give you a sense of where things are. If if Tennessee is in that kind of state, don't you want to know it? You're kind of delaying finding out where things are. I I don't think not playing football this year would make Tennessee's football team or program any better. I know they're in recruiting and and things are going well, so you could say, well, more talent will come in the next year. That's assuming everybody signs. If you don't have a season, do you hold on to everybody? I don't know. That's it's too much of a wild card. I would say if Tennessee's in a position where it's going to go 6-6, six and six, you kind of want to know that. Uh, but more importantly, I would just say we need to have a season. And I'm not going to pick any scenario that has the season being canceled if I'm getting to choose what happens. So I understand the question. And part of it would be, well, you're tired of seeing that. And if Tennessee's going 6-6, six and six, you're probably seeing Florida and Georgia and, of course, Alabama – having a ton of success, and that would make it even worse. A fall without any kind of college football season would be worse than any other scenario we could come up with. So if you were to see a season this year, it's in full, and Tennessee finishes 500, Tennessee goes 6-6, six and six, or let's say it's a 10-game season and Tennessee goes 5-5, five and five, that would not be good, but you figure it out from there. But I cannot choose any scenario where we don't see a college football season this fall. That would be terrible news if that's what ends up happening. So we'll continue to monitor what's going on, the latest reports within the SEC and around college football, as Tennessee does continue to work out to get ready for a season. That's the other thing. For players and coaches, it has to be really frustrating not knowing that they're going to play a season that they are continuing 
to work toward. Recruiting continues to be a storyline. As I mentioned, Peyton Page, he is five days away from his announcement. That is scheduled next Tuesday, July 28th. It's Tennessee, North Carolina, and Clemson, with Clemson probably being the favorite there. Basketball recruiting continues to be a subject. Kennedy Chandler is getting some buzz out there, the five-star point guard from Memphis. And, of course, if any other news breaks, I'll have you covered with the next show scheduled to be on Monday here on Locked on Vols. We'll continue to look at the football and basketball personnel for this upcoming year. I appreciate you being here today on Locked on Vols, presented by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next time on Locked on Vols. Oh,